Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Ask the Industry podcast, episode 49. For those of you new to the show, my name's Simon Kane, and this is the podcast where I interview the most influential people from the world of stand-up, comedy, radio, TV, and today, the festival circuit. The European Comedy Festival Network is a network at the moment of four festivals spread all over Europe who share information, shows and talent to help each of their festivals have the best possible lineups. We talk to each festival about what they have on offer, what they're looking for, what they're not looking for and a lot more in between. I'm not going to go into much detail of who the guests are because I get them to announce who they are in the pod which I think makes it a lot easier to try and identify which person's answering which question. I'd just like to quickly say thank you very much to Jeff Rowe, who is the Leicester Comedy Festival founder, who helped massively in getting this podcast sorted. Also for all the staff at Peter's Pizzeria in Leicester for hosting us. Thank you so much for all your support and help. Before I hit play on this, I should let you know I have a blog post that I did about my time at the Leicester Comedy Festival, which is linked in the show notes and on the website, which you can also find under my indie guides. Oh no, which you can also find under my fringe guides even. Uh, and it tells you how much stuff costs for me to take part, and my profit and loss, and people that came in, and how I advertised, and all that kind of stuff. So if you're interested in that, check that out on my website. There's also a linked video, which goes into detail about what I did, how I did it, how I saved money, how I advertised my show, things I learned, all that kind of stuff. So if you're looking at taking part in the festival, that's there. Um, I'd also recommend highly... Uh, the free fringe network up there and all the people that are taking part in that because they are excellent and they're very responsive and get back to you very quickly in answering questions as do Jeff and his team uh, particularly Sam was amazingly helpful in getting stuff sorted so so if you have any questions I'd say be more than upfront and approach them they're lovely lovely people and they really really want their festival to continue and to be great and it is so do ask them anything you want to ask without any more delays this is our second live Q&A. Hello, you're right. Um, oh, just quick interest. How many of you listen to the podcasts generally, like, non-like this? Yeah. Yeah? Two, three, four. Okay, cool. So you all know why you're here, right? 
just checking because last time some people did come thinking it was a gig, so <laughs> it's, it's better that. Um, okay, so basically this is a, a panel of festival founders um, and people that run festivals, and uh, you can ask them anything you want. And I have submitted questions from uh, the podcast people who wanted to be here but can't be here. So um, if you guys maybe want to go from from left to right and explain who you are, um, then that way the mics will pick up your voice, and then people who listen at home can try and work out who you are from your voice. That from their left or our left? Uh, well, you can start. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I, my name's Sam Avery. I'm the uh, artistic director of the Liverpool Comedy Festival, um, and I'm also a stand-up comedian on the on the UK circuit myself as well. Uh, I'm Jeff Rowe. I'm the founder and director of Dave's Leicester Comedy Festival. I'm Maria Jebison. I'm from Denmark, and I'm co-producer of the Danish comedy festival called Sulu Comedy Festival. Uh, and I'm Chi Tan. I'm the founder and the festival manager for uh, International Comedy Box Festival in Norway. Do you just want to say who Zulu are? Yes, so Sulu is a TV um, station, um, s- not similar, but it's kind of equivalent to the Dave sponsorship of Leicester Comedy Festival, so that's why it's called Sulu Comedy Festival, so it's a Danish broadcasting company. Awesome. Um, before we go any further, how many of you have come with questions that you need to be answered? <laughs> I mean, if you come with questions, you're actually nervous at the point. Just open the room. Have you got stuff you'd like to ask that you'd rather know? You know? This will be a really short podcast. I have submitted questions, but I just wanted to see how many people have come with stuff. Um, so maybe, maybe if we start off uh, with uh, Marie and Chi. Um, we, uh, I've been asked about Free Fringe in your festival, and obviously uh, uh, Dave's Lester, that's a thing, and I believe at Liverpool there's a version of Free? Uh, we're looking into it, yeah. Yeah. So uh, for people who maybe want to go abroad and do their show as a part of a Free Fringe, is that a possibility? And if not, is it something that just isn't as viable over there that it is over here? Um, it's, um, we don't have an equivalent to the Free Fringe um, at our festival or in Denmark for in comedy festivals. Um, so what we have done internationally with international comedians uh, wanting to come to Denmark is we have uh, done an exchange program with Dave Lister Comedy Festival, who is then um, responsible of bringing comedians um, and vice versa. So we have brought comedians to um, Leicester each year. Um, that's, and there, then there's also some independent um, promoters in Denmark Bookers that bring international comedians, but that's basically what the opportunities are at this moment. So that so that works as in um, you you do so say you did Dave's festival. Does that mean you have to like sign up for a certain scheme that means you do a trade off, or is it you're mm. scouting for people that you'd want to trade with? We're scouting for people that we want to um, trade with, and that's partly also why um, we are here um, at this festival to bring Danish comedians, of course, and then also scout and then give um, Dave Lester Comedy Festival and Jeff recommendation in terms of what we think would work for a Danish audience. Okay. Yeah, so uh, a lot very similar to the Danish uh, uh, scene. Uh, the thing with the Norwegian scene is that it's still very fresh. It's very new. So stand-up comedy, uh, I think, only just started in the 90s. So where it is at this moment, it's kind of like a lot of the UK comics say that uh, the excitement around stand-up comedy in Norway at this uh, currently is like how it was in the 80s in the UK. So bringing in a free... Uh, a free gig uh, I don't know if it's um, 
realistic to do it yet because the audience not basically not trained to uh, for stand up. It's not it, they're not there yet. So uh, because uh, Norway has a very strong uh, strong tradition with uh, sketch comedy, uh, so, like a similar thing to sketch comedy, where it's like. With wigs and uh, two teeth and uh, costumes and stuff, so people are not really used to that stand-up as an art form. They so when a, com- uh, a stand-up comedian is talking, uh, asking a question, people will respond. So it's uh, so uh, doing a free, uh, like a free, uh, free gig will basically they don't know. They might not know what they're going to uh, going to, and they might not respond to. They're not well. They're trained, but it's it's still like it's very different from different gigs, and it's not that broad and common yet. But it's getting there. It's uh, it developed quite a lot over the few the few like five to ten years. But I'm not sure if we're re- quite ready. There, if that there, makes sense. No, that yeah. doesn't make sense. Are, are there certain types of comedy that doesn't go down as well then there? Because if they're not as comedy literate as maybe we are over here, are there certain acts that you're or, or types of comedy you're not looking for because they maybe aren't ready for that? Um, well, for our festival in particular, it's uh, uh, we're a very alternative a comedy festival. It's not the... Uh, yeah, we're very alternative. So what we try to do is bring in alternatives to sh- showcase what kind of uh, different genre within the comedy scene. Not uh, like so you have stand up and you have the absurd, you have the uh, you know like different styles and stuff. So I think if you make people aware, the audience aware of what they're buying a ticket to go to see, then they will also be open for it. But they're very curious. There's a very big excitement around stand-up, so it's developing, and it's a very exciting time for us that works with festivals. So, yeah, you can't... Like, we had uh, comics like Will Franken and Tony Law, and it's, like, people love them, or they don't get it. So, uh, and but if they are not worn before they go and see the show, they probably most likely won't get it. But, but uh, so you have so we still need to tell people what <laughs> what they're buying a ticket to go and see. As in, as in you, you're much more direct about what kind of comedy it is. Yes. Okay. And and how is that working out? Like, is it, is it narrowing down audiences for certain performers to making it easier to sell tickets, or is it? making it sort of like people might not go as much because they're sort of not interested in certain types of humor. Well, it depends if it's a it's if it's a stand-up gig or if it's a or if it's a festival, but I can only speak for the comedy box, but our mentality is that we want people to be open. Mm. We don't uh, so we tell them you might get this, you might get that, but be open. So when they go and buy a ticket to see a club gig that has six different comics or four different comics, they so they buy the ticket because they're curious. Mm. So I find that we're actually um, getting through to a lot more people, actually, because we, we make them curious about, don't buy for the na- sake of the name, just buy for the quality of what we're getting, uh, what we're getting over here. Okay. Yeah. And how is your relationship with Dave Lester? Is that the same thing yeah. that you're looking for? Yeah. Um, certain acts. Mm-hmm. And in terms of scouting, does that mean you guys, your you're obviously here looking at shows. Yeah. Do you have certain other people that you're sending out to do that? What's the process for you guys for scouting? I think that's the same with Liverpool. Are you exchanging details of shows? Yes, in a way with certain festivals, but um, 
I think it's, I mean, there's, there's various issues that, from our point of view, from the Liverpool Comedy Festival point of view, we've, we've, we've got various challenges that I think other festivals perhaps don't have and we're just trying to navigate through them. I mean, I don't know if you're aware, as, as a city, Liverpool's considered by a lot of comedians to be one of the hardest places to play. So to actually entice them to come to Liverpool and do an hour, you know, when 20 minutes can feel like a long time in Liverpool... <laughs> can be a challenge but I think we're getting around that by just you know giving people a, a nice experience really through that um, it's interesting talking about the free fringe model because I've seen from an axe point of view from an axe point of view I want to go to Norway it sounds amazing just so exciting with me wigs and my teeth and just take them it just sounds like a really you know exciting time to be a comedian over there um, <coughs> but having seen the free fringe model kind of change in, in Edinburgh I think it's been a really positive thing and there's been obviously the political problems that, that happened last year, uh, which we won't get into, but I think the, the model in Liverpool is that it's um, we have to be very different to Edinburgh and we have to be very different to certain other festivals in the UK just because the, the, the audience there has a certain dislikes and likes and they're quite honest about that and I think we, we have to, as a festival we have to respond to that and make sure we're offering something that's going to work and, and one of the big things that people always say to me is, let's do a late night show. You know, every Saturday we'll do a late night show. And I'm like, yeah, but it'll be chaos. It'll be, it won't be like a beautiful late night random show in the fringe in Edinburgh. It'll be just <laughs> violence and just like horrible stories and court cases and stuff. And I'm not saying that to talk down my city. I just know that when stuff goes on very late at night... Without the right audience, and that's what we're trying to do, we're trying to build the audience where we can do stuff that's a bit more imaginative and a bit more festival, uh, if you want to call it that. I've never gigged in Liverpool. Why is it a hard place to gig? I don't think it is, because <laughs> of this accent. <laughs> so they go, oh, he's all right, he's one of ours, put the gun away. But um, I, think, I, think there's a, I think a lot of comedians go to Liverpool with certain baggage. That then means they react differently on stage and perhaps go at it very, very confrontationally and all you need to do really is say, I love it here and everyone goes, okay. That's it. Sometimes you just have to kind of make the audience believe that you're happy to be in the city. I know it sounds like such kidology but that's sometimes all, all that need, you need to do really. Yeah, that's a good secret tip. Yeah. Um, and, and in terms of uh, building your audiences for each of your individual festivals, what are you doing in terms of uh, trying to expand the number of uh, people that are coming in, but also the number of shows that are, you're able to... Because obviously, if we look at Edinburgh, I mean, obviously it's a whole different model. It's got to a stage where just every room has become a venue. And, so, and I assume none of you want to get to a stage where you're just trying to fit in as many shows as possible. So what is your curation process? And also, what is your process for trying to attract new people to come and watch comedy in your specific festival? Anyone can answer that in any order. Well, we don't. Ours is... Um, Leicester is pretty organic, really, in the sense that um, our mod... It's important to recognise, I think, that probably all our models are very different in terms of how the festivals work. And the biggest piece of advice, I think, to any comedian is to find out what the model is. So our model is very much that we um, rely uh, a lot on our promoters. So it's a bit like Edinburgh in the sense that we most of the shows, I don't know, 90% of the shows are promoted not by us, they're promoted by other people. So it's um, so going back to the free fringe idea, that came about because some promoters who promote here wanted to do a free fringe model. 
and there was no you know um, plan to make that happen it just organically grew I suppose because people wanted to wanted to do that um, and that's fine really as far as I'm concerned and and likewise the size of the festival um, some people are quite surprised that we only know how many venues and how many shows there are on submission day so um, did I have a plan to increase the festival by 140 shows from last year to this year? No, that was never the... I didn't know how many shows were going to be submitted until they are submitted. So um, the challenge then, if you like, is then is making trying to make the festival brand as enticing as possible to audiences to come because if um, if some promoters put on shows and they put on lots of shows and nobody comes they'll be mightily fed up, probably with us, I imagine, um, for not doing that. So we do about a third of our audience. Last, I don't know how many people are going to come this year because we're mid-festival. Um, so about 30% of our audience in 2015 came from outside of Leicestershire, um, which is about 30,000 people. So um, we try and encourage as many people as possible to come from the city, obviously, but also from outside. And how do we do that? Well, broadly, we um, increase the marketing and PR and media that we do outside of Leicester. I mean, I know that sounds really easy, really obvious, but um, clearly, I say clearly, but the relationship with Dave has helped a lot with that um, and, frankly, has given us more money to do more national PR, which we put a lot of money into. We also, of course, do quite a lot of social media stuff um, to try and get people to think... As they think in August, well, I'll go to Edinburgh. The idea is that they increasingly, if you're a fan of comedy, you'll think, well, I'll go to Leicester for the weekend in February to, to experience the festival. So, I mean, I know that's a very generic. I can give you more detail if you want it, but that's broadly what we do. And, um, and of course, the more we do that, the more promoters want to promote more gigs, the more um, hotels like us, the more restaurants like us, the more the city likes us, and that's all an important part of building a festival I think is having that broader impact it's not just about how many tickets you sell and how many shows you have it's that atmosphere which is really really hard to get um, I think probably we all agree it's really difficult to do that um, and uh, we continuously work hard to make sure the idea is that if you come to Leicester during the festival you know that there's something going on um, rather, because it's predominantly an indoor festival, it's you know it's not Glastonbury. Where if you drive past Glastonbury, I assume you know Glastonbury's happening because you can see it. Um, we're not like that. You, it's an indoor festival, and certainly that was a frustration in the early years that people there wasn't that atmosphere, there wasn't that um, vibrancy about the city. There was just maybe four or five gigs happening in, in inside venues, fifty, sixty, seventy, whatever people will go and see those shows. They'll have a great time. But if you walk around the city, you wouldn't have a clue that there was a festival going on. I, I think that's changed in Leicester now. I mean, I'm not the person... I know there's a festival happening, but I would. Um, I think people tell me it feels different in the city when the festival's on, which is, which is great. But that's, it's difficult to explain how you do that. Um, certainly in terms of these guys, I don't know... I only know Leicester, you know, I don't know the other cities well at all so I've no idea how you create that atmosphere in Liverpool or Stavanger or, or, or Copenhagen I mean you just have to kind of figure it out yourselves really I think I think just sorry to jump in I think from from a Liverpool point of view there is there is that possibility to create that atmosphere but I, I think from where we are is a lot 
a lot further away from where from where Leicester is in terms of getting that momentum and getting that kind of feel in the city. And I think there's so much comedy in Liverpool throughout the year as well, so it feels mm. a bit more difficult to kind of that's another challenge we have really to, to bring everyone on side and make sure everyone pushes towards the festival because people are programming events throughout the year. Um, and Liverpool's also um, trying to become the first UK festival city because there's so many there's like, there was a trainer festival on the other day you know for trainers that you wear on your feet <laughs> there's a, a goth festival a comic book festival these are all great festivals but they, they kind of get in the way a little bit so um, other than detaching snipers to take out all these festivals we have to kind of work with them and kind of you know sort of build that together but it's interesting to hear, hear your points there yeah. and you religiously don't wear trainers now do you I, I don't wear any <laughs> trainers yeah. and I've stopped being a goth <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think um, with the Sulu Comedy Festival um, based mainly in Copenhagen, then also another larger, um, second largest city in Denmark, um, the the challenges that we face is that it's um, there's a lot of competition because it's it's the main capital and all cultural um, events and happenings is, is placed there. So we there's a lot of competition. So and we can't. Um, we're not the size where we can just um, kind of um, decorate the whole Copenhagen city in, in Sulu Comedy Festival uh, merchandise or, uh, and so on. Um, the only, I think the only event that could do that was when we had the Eurovision. So you kind of need a, a, a type of um, an event or festival that can do that. So And also we face, with you mentioned the Glastonbury, we often talk about, okay, so what does the word or the term festival cover, really? Like, what is the perception in people's minds about a festival? Because it's not where you go on a field in a tent and live and drink for a week um, constantly. It's different with the comedy. So how can we also, as you mentioned in Liverpool, we have comedy shows and throughout the year in Copenhagen a lot. So how can we tell people that this is the shows that they are buying a ticket for is actually part of a festival and not just a listed show like the rest of the year? And from that build and then also make them buy tickets for different other shows because as you, with your questions about how with the audience development and so on, is... Sulu Comedy Festival is very interested in um, working with uh, Danish people audience perception of comedy because a lot of people just narrow it down to stand up, but we are a festival that um, kind of wants to show that comedy is it can also be theatre performances, it can also also be music performances. It's it's everything. Our definition is it, everything that makes you laugh can be in our program, and therefore we a lot of. Um, in the Danish um, culture, a lot of Danish people, they actually can say, there's a lot of people say, oh, I tried stand-up once, it wasn't me. So they don't go to stand-up performances. And then you would never hear a person say, oh, I tried music once, it wasn't really for me. And then never go to listen to music. So that's what we're kind of working on in the sense that, okay, so at least if you go to this comedy theatre performance or whatnot, um, you can, there's actually a festival, you're part of a festival, and have, we have all these other experimental or concept shows, and um, would you be interested um, and kind of give people that sense of being at a festival, and I can just go around and, and not pay like a hundreds of, of, or like a lot of, money for each show but it's more like cheaper shows that you could actually just have a whole night of different shows and go and see that there's a wide variety of, of, of performances in the term of comedy 
Yeah. I mean, I think that's really important. I spoke a bit about um, the branding and the marketing and all that sort of thing, but also the program is really important. So, ninety percent of um, Dave's Leicester Comedy Festival is programmed by other people and produced by other people, but ten percent probably um, these are not accurate figures um, are produced by us. And um, so, to go back to your previous question about how do people access the festivals and, and what's the best way to approach us and things, um, we always like it when people approach us with kind of original, innovative ideas, like Maria was saying, really, that that make the programme uh, not just what you might experience throughout the rest of the year. I mean, like Liverpool, Leicester has an increasing comedy scene throughout the year, um, uh, which we sort of support um, in a small way, the, the thing called the Leicester Fridge, which is growing every year in terms of local comedians doing lots of stand-up shows but also one-off events um, and one-off performances which make it different. Last night with Chi we did a thing called Comedy Box Takeover which was in a small shopping centre I suppose, what do you call St Martin's Square? Shopping centre is that? Yeah, Um, anyway an area with shops in it Um, and uh, they did shows in shops and cafes and and, uh, basements and stuff like that so to try and make the the program different, and I know this is again, it's an obvious thing to say, but festive, so that you can't see Johnny Vegas being interviewed on stage in Leicester the rest of the year. He's only doing that because it's the festival. Nicholas Parsons, same same sort of thing, really. One-offs um, uh, are really important, but I think that's easy for easier for me to talk about now because we've got an audience that responds positively to those things. If you'd asked me that question 15 years ago, or 20 years ago, I'd say, well, we're trying out these innovative, different types of things, and no one's coming. Um, And that's problematic. And I I don't know how you balance that between... It just happens organically with us. People have come over the years, but in the early days, they didn't come to anything that wasn't on telly. We had a massive breakthrough last year when we managed to get uh, the the Odeon in the centre of Liverpool to play with Neil and I. Paul McGann from Liverpool came and did a Q&A after the film now that's such a cult classic the place was shocker he, and he turned up with the guy who plays Danny as well you know, on, and with Neil and I can't remember the actor's name he just turned up with him he must have had not an on or something he just turned up so the two of them sat there and did this Q&A and the fact that we got a lot of press from that mm. and the fact that it was so busy and, and popular and people were just you know enamoured by the whole thing it was a massive breakthrough from what you say about just those those curated events, those individually curated events that just push the festival and then the rest of the programme can be elevated by those yeah. in a really nice way. So that's yeah. that really interesting. Does, does that mean that you guys are looking for finished shows rather than work in progress or selection shows? Or, no, okay. Sorry. Oh, well, uh, so about um, the format of solo shows and the way they work here in uh, the UK festivals is very different from the Norwegian scene. Uh, so we face totally different challenges uh, uh, for us to bring in a solo show from an unknown comedian that it can be a huge comedian in UK but Norway is completely different and uh, and um, so it's it, it would be hard for us to uh, we're at a different basically we're at a different place uh, all of Norway I would say but specifically for my festival, it's even more uh, alternative and more different. And we face different challenges because we do completely different things than other festivals. So um, Stavanger is an oil city. 
uh, it's kind of like the equivalent to Aberdeen. Uh, so there's a, a lot of expats, a lot of the whole city is run on oil, basically. Everybody lives by oil. So, um, so there are a lot of expats there. So our focus is, uh, for example, to reach out to include the uh, expats, to include the English people, uh, speaking people as well as the Norwegian ones. Um, and we don't only run a, a, a festival once a year, we run club gigs throughout the whole year because we see the value of showcasing uh, what stand up and bringing it into the city and making it a thing that people go and see regularly. Because if you don't have that, you can't really support a comedy festival. So we need the club gigs, the regular club gigs, to be able to sell festival uh, passes or festival tickets, if that makes sense. So, um, and like I said, our festival is completely different. We don't really bring in solo shows. Um, very short is we have bite-sized uh, comedy uh, shows uh, where we... Um, the value of the Comedy Box Festival is that we want to showcase that comedy is also an art form because in Norway it's very conservative. They don't consider stand-up or comedy in general as an, uh, as an art form. They don't uh, see comedians as performing artists. They're just... Uh, the stepchildren, basically, of the performing artists. So it, we're still a little bit conservative, but it's getting developing really, really fast now. So a part of the idea of um, the Comedy Box Festival is to showcase as many people uh, and the different types of the genre. Like uh, Maria said, it's not comedy is not only stand-up; it's also musical. Uh, it can be music. It can be theater. It can be a movie theater. It can be comics. It can be anything that makes people laugh. Um, so for our festival we have uh, we normally we use a, a, a building it's an old brewery it has like so many different rooms there uh, and uh, so each room has its own theme so we encourage people to see things they never seen before and they just buy one ticket and their shows running uh, they're only 10 minute spots throughout the whole festival and uh, they can uh, they can choose the rooms they want to see you have a room it's English comedy uh, or English stand-up you have a room called Norwegian stand-up you have a room called music and comedy you have a room called comedy lounge which is which is like the smoky jazzy sort of poetry feel to it you have like elevated comedy where we basically place a stage inside an elevator and people do like observe comedy and uh, we have a toilet comedy, which is all crap comedy. Uh, so we place people and comics inside a toilet. Uh, so they kind of know what they're... They're not going. actually... They're in the cubicle. They're not yeah. actually in the toilet. Yes, they are. They, they stand on the toilet bowl. Oh. I've, do, I've done worse gigs than that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, when you but said the pool was bad. <laughs> so so our, like, our challenge uh, to bring comedy to, to our festival is basically, yeah, they're... 80 comedians here. You've probably never heard of any of them, but the ticket is quite affordable. So why don't you come and see? And if you don't like any of the 80 people you've seen, you don't have a sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they, well, it's, it's the gist of it. It's a floating thing. Everybody just go in and do their 10 minutes th uh, thing. And they kind of do the, after the theme of the room. So it can be anything. And people just walk around and and discover it's all bite-sized. It's like tapas, comedy tapas. You know, like you try different things, things you might 
like and things you might not like. You, you've, said, you've said alternative a couple of times. Yeah. Is, is that a word you're using to sort of encourage audience members to come out and sort of try, like you said, different varieties of comedy? Or is that the same kind of alternative that we would class comedy over here? I think it's alternative in terms of Norwegian co- uh, scene. Right. Because what we do is alternative. It's not traditional. Because, <coughs> yeah, okay. it's basically an alternative to the traditional uh, 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 format of festivals. So we tried this year, we tried to put in some solo shows, but it's still like at a very low cost because there, we put on uh, comics that people haven't heard of, but we think is uh, something they should see. So we, yeah, so like I said, we try to encourage people to come out and uh, see th- something they haven't seen before. So, so for someone who's not been to a festival before, they would, as a performer, you would be in a room, sort of in, the, in a brewery, you said, um, and you'd be doing like sort of 10 minute spots, mm-hmm. like once a day for the whole run, or how would that? No, it's, oh. um, uh, normally, the, it depends on what kind of comic, because it's not only stand-up comics, it can be, and, like I said, um, and musicians and whatnot. So, uh, as a regular stand-up comic, you had, we have had uh, people do like five to six spots, throughout the night because it starts at 7 and it runs till 1 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And if there are 14 rooms in that venue, uh, you can actually do quite a lot of spots, mm-hmm. and, but in different rooms. And people, if they like you one time, they can go and see you again another time and find you at a different room. And if, you don't, uh, if they don't like you, they can find somebody else. <laughs> to and in, and in terms of, uh, so if you, I mean, if you're doing a solo show mm-hmm. um, over here, if you do it on the free fringe, for example, you have the bucket thing at the end. If you're doing a paid ticketed thing, obviously you get paid up front. Is it a case of you just have a flat fee for performers then for the different rooms? Yes, we do a flat fee. Uh, for the bucket thing, it's a very UK thing. That doesn't exist in Norway. Okay. Like you would never, like Norwegian comics would never, uh, I, I wouldn't say never, but it's very, very unusual. I've yet to experience comics saying like uh, at like at French with uh, French festival where they say uh, it costs you nothing to be here but it costs us a fortune to be here so please they would never ask for that because it's a different culture it's a whole different it's a different type of scene we it's a different country basically and it's developing rapidly but it's not like here and, and you're all kind of networked with each other in terms of sharing information about acts and, and shows. How official is the, the link between all your festivals? Because I know uh, when I went to Brighton, they were telling me about uh, World Fringe Alliance, which is the thing they've sort of set up. I mean, are, are you guys under a certain banner, or is it kind of just a we're all friends? I only met these two and they sat down, so <laughs> our links are very, very uh, new. <laughs> so, but so hopefully we can develop. Sam's not part of the gang yet. I'm not part of the gang, um, I'm just, I'm just gagged in. <laughs> so we'd set up, um, so we've worked with Zulu for five years, six mm-hmm. years, something like that, and uh, so we've set up this thing called the European Comedy Festival Network, um, which so far is us three and Lund Comedy Festival in Sweden. Um, it's uh, how formal is it it's just for people often sitting in a room chatting about ideas um so it's not formal at all um we are in the process of trying to get some money to do some uh projects um between us which essentially is around exchanging comedians um and developing the festivals um so uh, at the moment it's a very small thing there's only four festivals involved but um 
if we get some money, then hopefully it can grow and develop, and other people can can um, can kind of join the gang. Even Sam. Um, um, but I think so. It's nothing formal at all. It's just, and we thought we should call ourselves something, and we called ourselves the European Comedy Festival Network. But um, uh, we'll, you know, it's early days, but we'll see how it goes. But I think we're all interested in that exchange of comedians, and certainly from our experience with the shows we've taken to Europe there's a huge appetite as really you two have been talking about um, in Europe and there's you know bigger examples of this like Eddie Izzard for example is probably the biggest who's done uh, however many international shows um, and been really successful Um, uh, so on the sort of Mick Perrin would talk a lot about this in terms of the big comedians touring internationally there's a huge market for that I also think from our experience there's a there's an opportunity for smaller acts. You're not going to make a lot of money out of it, but it's kind of like you said, Sam. What what I've found with UK-based comedians is the excitement in Denmark, Norway, and Sweden is enormous. You know, and there's a huge appetite amongst people to go and see stand-up, particularly UK English-speaking stand-up, um, and it's really exciting. You know, I mean, we went we went to Comedy Box. Where are we last year? And it's really exciting, you know, it's a great, it's a, it, it feels, I'm not old enough to remember punk really, but it feels punky, it feels anarchic, it feels exciting, and that's great, you know, and it's, it's not just touring around the, the UK circuit, suddenly you find that there's this other market that you can probably exploit, I suppose, potentially. And I also think with our exchange and the network, um, we also exchange knowledge and, and expertise and, and all that kind of things and what is interesting is that both for Norway and Denmark and I also think for Sweden that the business is fairly new so you said from the 90s yeah yeah, and I think for Denmark it's the 80s so compared to Dave Lester Comedy Festival and the British comedy scene it's very different and we can learn a lot but what you just mentioned you learn from us as well which is it's very um, yeah it's very given also, and we learn from each other because still um, there's only one really like um, comedy. There's there's also another comedy festival in um, in Denmark, but that's um, totally international with big names. Like, and it's very in that sense with agents. And the Sulu Comedy Festival is more about, as I told earlier, of like opening the eyes for the comedy, basically. And therefore, it's very. Um, we're very alone in a way. It's not that developed in Denmark, so we don't have a lot of colleagues or partners um, to share these experiences with and developed, and therefore we find very much guidance in, in working together internationally with, with festivals that have the same objectives and profiles and passion as we do. Um, it's the same in Norway. That's why we, we have... Uh, it's nice to have a colleague to talk to and uh, discuss different and raise different issues or just play ball with. And it's the same with uh, with Denmark as in Norway. Norway have very large festivals, very commercial with big names. Uh, and but we're not. That's not where we what we are doing. We are developing uh, art form or an art festival within comedy. So it's smaller, but uh, not better or worse. It's just different. And in, in many ways, uh, would your profile not be as much of a factor than because, like you said, if you're famous over here, you people might not know who you are mm-hmm. over there. So when applying or when trying to come over there, 
I, I mean, how much do you take on board someone's, or, or would they just be going to the bigger, pro, the bigger festivals? I do, personally, I scout. Okay. Uh, for all the comics that come over because it's not about them being good comic but it's also do they fit do the Norwegian understand the reference the Norwegian audience will they get the reference will they get understand a thick accent it's all these things that we need to consider as well mm. so it's not only that they understand English but it's also <laughs> do they take the references so a lot, I, I get a lot of, it's interesting because I get a lot of uh, emails from comics, from UK comics saying, hey, I had some fellow comics being at your club gig or at your show, I would l really like to come over. And they send me an email full of um, quotes. Uh, what's it called? Uh, is it where they... Lies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so if, that's, for example a comic say like uh, been touring with uh, uh, been touring with that and that comic that doesn't say anything to a Norwegian uh, audience member that doesn't say anything about that specific comic who that comic is what type of style they do or anything uh, so it's uh, so that's why I'm very peculiar about scouting for comics so you're more likely to want just a video and like how long they've been going for rather than lies. Um. <laughs> yeah, I, I try to do research uh, with videos, but I also travel a lot. So this, like Dave's uh, Leicester Comedy Festival, it's a great place for me to scout because there's so much going on at the same time. I can see several shows a day mm. and also get the feeling, the vibe of... Because a YouTube clip is just so so many minutes you don't, you don't really get it but you sort of get a sense of who that is but it's um i think it's just, it's just a, i'm just a control freak <laughs> but i think what what we have learned over the past years is also concepts work um very well we actually mm -hmm. borrowed a couple of um dave lester comedy festivals a concept like comedy in the dark and hotel the comedy because it's and there and then you can put um, international comedians in the concept because the concept sells itself because you can't take it's the same in Denmark you can't take like the text from a program where here a lot of the text if it's just like a um, one man show or something like that it's just reviews and and quotes from different um, like media. Uh, magazines of uh, persons um, that would never sell in Denmark because they have no reference to it um, therefore it's much easier to say okay so it's comedy in the dark and the concept is that it's stand up in total darkness and then it doesn't matter for the audience who is performing because they're buying the concept and then it's easier sometimes to then put um, international or English or British comedians in a concept show and that's where we find a lot of inspiration also here from the Dave Lester Comedy Festival is also looking not only for, um, not scouting only for um, comedians, but also concepts. Okay. And uh, you guys run those concept shows, because I know you run the fridge, as in you do the bookings. We don't run the oh, fridge. Run the we do, no, we produce, um, we produce shows like Comedy in the Dark, Hotel to Comedy. Uh, this year we've done quite a lot more of those types of things. Mm. Um, but no, the fridge is independent of us. Okay. Um, we just like it a lot. So if, if you were a performer taking part in, say, Dave's Comedy Festival and they wanted to get you guys to come down to scout for them, what's the best way of getting people to come and see the show who might, who might want to have you at their new festival? Uh, I don't understand the question. So, so say there's a performer in here who is taking part in the Leicester Comedy Festival that might want to come to your festival. What's the best way of trying to attract you to come and... 
watch that show? Uh, I actually gotten emails from uh, comics saying, hey, I'm doing, I heard that you're coming. Do you want to come and see my show? Uh, it's the same for London or for French. I had that several times before. And it's also great, um, yeah, so it's easy as that, <laughs> really. <Steve> yeah, <laughs> and, but also, uh, I, if I don't know a comic, I also ask around for the comics that has been in Norway, that knows the Norwegian scene. And that's a very good reference as well, because they're colleagues. They would uh, say, well, this might work for this, uh, for this scene or this gig or whatever. So it's sort of like a pinpoint, something to hope. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold on to, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's similar for for the Sulu Comedy Festival and us. Um, uh, it's just writing an email if if you know that we're here. Otherwise, we are we look through the program and go by recommendations from Jeff and his staff and other um, promoters that we know. In terms of, we have already listed up um, some criteria that we've learned over the years what would work. So. Um, We know that shows with political references or um, very national references, uh, like people and 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 nationally known people, will not work for a Danish audience because simply we don't know them. So the whole thing just drops by that. We, we can't understand it. And also thick accents, as you mentioned before, is also difficult. So everyone in Denmark understands and also speaks English, but if you have a very very strong accent, it, it's it's just too difficult because with comedy and stand up you just you know you need to know every word like if you just miss one word it can actually do it for you like you just sewn out of the of the show so and then also topics that are are translatable across countries just as relationships sex um like gender um stuff like that um everyday life issues um they work for for Danish audience because they can relate because our culture is still similar in that sense um, yeah so, so other than a thick accent uh, or potentially a thick accent English speaking comics don't have anything to worry about in terms of applying for your festivals because everyone can 
there's a scene out there for English speaking is what I'm asking. Um, yes, at our festival uh, we do offer English speaking comedy. If not, yeah, we well. have uh, our our gigs are regular. Uh, our regular gigs throughout the year is English like uh, English nights or Norwegian nights. So then English nights, uh, people tend to be quite. Uh, they know that they're going to an English, so they kind of like uh, they prepare themselves. Norwegians, uh, basically. But I mean, it's still keep in mind that uh, English is still just the second or third language for many Norwegians, uh, and um, and even though they understand the words, the to understand the reference or to understand what the sense in in a bigger sense can also. Uh, basically lost in translation if, uh, so it's uh, so I try to I mean I had uh, several acts from the UK from uh, Newcastle and Liverpool and stuff and, and I always tell them I understand what you're saying but just don't speak too fast because it might go straight over uh, over the head for some Norwegian but most of the time it's okay as long as they're aware of it you know so and speak slow uh, or more slow than I would with a UK uh, UK uh, club. I um, there was a situation a couple of years ago where we brought a quite famous um, Danish comedian who had a a bit about that was very very well known and a popular a joke in in, in Danish um, about um, perfume commercials and he translated it. Um, and it and it went well, and he I think he's actually half English, so it wasn't a problem for him with the language, but he did a mistake that, so he has a reference to um, a deodorant, a male male deodorant called Axe in Denmark, but it's called Lynch. It's a Lynch deodorant here, but he just translated it with the brand Axe, so that kind of it wasn't very strong in in the British because. You just you wouldn't know that unless you lived here, and you can see okay, it's a, it's the same brand. Basically, it's just called different things. Yeah. Um, like they don't have um, sneakers, like the chocolate bar in the in the United States. It's called something else. Like, and so that is kind of just something that is so practical, and but you just you wouldn't know of. Mm. Um, it should be an app. Yeah, you just, you just <laughs> yeah. type in all your references, and it just goes there. You go, yeah, see yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. There's an idea. <laughs> but the good thing, though, it's uh, is that uh, Norwegian culture is uh, is very uh, it's very close to the UK culture. Like the we get like English programs and BBC and stuff. So Norwegians are grown up with the UK sort of uh, news and and language. But even but with the American nation uh, American nation of them of the language and TV shows and stuff. Uh, it really, it's really, really weird because you can hear the laughter of if there's a Canadian or an American uh, comic and a UK comic, they, the audience laugh at different things. Mm. And you can sort of point out who has followed the American stream and the British. It's, um, that's also something we talk to some of the comics uh, abroad when they're over, just for them to be aware that the audience might be a little bit split and words and terms they use and... Yeah. Are there any common uh, sort of, I wouldn't say mistakes, but things that comedians might do that you are aware of in the UK that uh, you can talk about? In terms of? In terms of maybe material, in terms of promoting a show? or. Um, I think it comes back to that thing I talked about at the start, just about uh, 
I relaunched the Liverpool Comedy Festival uh, two years ago. So although it began in 2002, kind of started again two years ago for all intents and purposes. So we're just trying to, like I said before, just get that festival audience where people are willing to go and see a, a show with a theme or a show about a subject. Um, we centrally programmed a lot of the shows the first year because I was aware that we needed this festival feel and a lot of the shows were well attended, some of them weren't and it was, a lot of them were in smaller rooms. Um, so I think that's something that as a festival hopefully we can grow that audience where we can open it up to more of the, the more inventive kind of ideas and the more interesting topics because I, I think as a as a festival goer as well I, I want to see when I go to a festival I want to see stuff that's I'm not going to see anywhere else and whether that is a one man show that they did in Edinburgh they did in Leicester and they did in Scandinavia or whether it's something completely curated but something that you're not going to see in a, a club you know something that's a bit different so watch this space is kind of the subtext of what I'm saying for the local comedy festival in, in terms of your individual festivals, um, obviously you have a pitch for uh, people who might come and watch something at your festival on your websites and stuff. If you were to pick out what's unique about your festival for, from a performer's point of view, if you were to pitch it at a performer, how would you describe what, either what you're looking for or, I mean, yeah, obviously a unique show and stuff, but what would be the pulling factor to come to, for example, Liverpool? I would say at the moment, a lot of the things I say to comedians is, is are you going to draw an audience that's shifting a little bit as we, uh, when we relaunched two years ago, it was bringing the comedy clubs on side with the idea of the festival because a lot of the comedy clubs, I think, perhaps saw it as competition rather than something that would work as an umbrella that would push their brands as well. And I think we managed to we managed to do that quite successfully in the last two years, which is really really positive. So that will change as the clubs and as the other promoters start to promote stuff. We can then pull away from programming so many of the shows and, and, and promote stuff you know, uh, that's, that's a little bit more different but previously it's been very much are you going to bring an audience because I don't want comedians driving from two hours away or even an hour away to get to a, a room where there's going to be two people in or there's going to be you know god for sake nobody, nobody there for the show because that doesn't look good on the festival it's a terrible experience for the comedian and if one person does turn up you know, 10 minutes after they're supposed to start when you're already packing down. Oh no, sorry, it's been cancelled. It's just like, it's such a bad experience for everyone and it doesn't look good. It was, it's not positive for anyone involved. So I think making sure you can get an audience, even if there's 15 people in a 20-seater room, that's the kind of overriding uh, question that we ask at the moment. And, and how, I mean, obviously you're supporting comedians by helping them advertise and stuff. How are comedians who are getting in the audiences in that area doing that? I think we've got various acts that have built up audiences over the last couple of years, albeit quite gradually, um, and hopefully that's something they can continue to push and, and grow as a, as a Liverpool comedy festival act that has an audience that comes and see, see them every year. Um, another challenge that we face is that, although we're centrally funded by the Liverpool City Council, which is obviously fantastic, um, it's against the law in the Liverpool area to fly on the street, so it's a challenge getting, I don't know what it's like in Leicester, it's whether the that's the here. same here. Yeah. Um, so I can't really complain about that too much then, can I? Um, <laughs> but that is a challenge in terms of visibility and awareness, and even with some of the smaller venues where uh, the free fringe model as well, just getting people in last minute, just the act of giving out a flyer, um, you can get uh, quite a hefty fine. 
So we're trying to get the, the, the council to relax those laws just for the, the two-week period and maybe give us safe zones or whatever it is. But um, I suppose to answer your question, we, we, we offer that support and that promotion that we do um, with the festival as a whole and we, we try to, you know, keep in touch with all the acts. We're able to do that because we're nowhere near as big as, as Leicester in terms of programming. Um, and just say, if, if you've got a specific press stunt you want to do or a specific... Uh, market you want us to push you to time permitting we can we can try and do that on some occasions and, and Lester what's the message that we give to comedians is that the the, what's the sort of pitch that you would want to try and put in to get comedians to come to your festival um, I don't know the answer to that but I um, uh, I suppose I should um, what people tell us is that uh, you'll you'll probably get an audience um which is good and you'll probably get a good audience um, and you probably won't lose as much money as you do in Edinburgh um, <coughs> which are both kind of slightly weird selling points I suppose but um, oh and of course we can guarantee a series on Dave um, since, they, <laughs> since they've sponsored us so um, yeah so I think it's people tell us that it's really manageable it's really um, it's really supportive um, the promoters uh, the vast majority of our promoters are very supportive and will help and there's a there's a comedy savvy audience here and um and it it kind of works really um our average capacity is something about it's something like 70% or something across the festival which with 780 shows is not bad i think in terms of audience attendance the the terrifying thing for a lot of our promoters is that sales are really last minute. So door sales are huge here. Um, so we spend most of the last two weeks of the festival either talking to acts or promoters going, yeah, I know you sold four tickets, but don't worry, probably a lot more will turn up on the night. And that seems, of course, some shows down their arse and it, nobody goes. But um, most of the time, people get reasonable audiences. And... They're a comedy-savvy audience and they are normal people. They're not just your mates or the industry or the other people working at the venue, um, which can happen elsewhere. But So that's, that's our not very coherent sales pitch to comedians. But also don't forget that most of the time we are... If we're selling the festival to anybody, we kind of sell it to promoters. That's what we want. We want more people to come and take over spaces like this, room that we're in today, and other venues... Um, so we spend quite a lot of time talking to other promoters um, uh, and producers who will take on spaces because then they will programme to acts, they will do that, they will have that conversation. Yeah, it's similar with the Zasulu Comedy Festival that we we do not book the whole programme or create the whole programme. We are um, very interested in also discovering new venues or possible venues and they then book the program but I think what as I said earlier is important for our festival is that it's kind of it, it represents everything that makes you laugh and therefore it's also a playground for comedians to try new material ex- experiment with the whole genre in a, in a, in a sense um, and um, in what it can do so um, we have a lot of just regular stand-up comedians that have done traditional stand-up and they try new formats at the festival that's kind of our strong like that's what we can deliver that that no one else can for the rest of the year at just normal comedy clubs and we can also um provide an audience because it's it's 
scattered in or it's under the the brand of the Sulu Comedy Festival, so it doesn't stand alone. So if let's say you just put up a show that's very experimental in a way, or it's a totally new format, uh, the Danish audience are very um, conservative in a way that that would never sell tickets unless you were a, a name like a, there was some kind of a famous name taking part of the show. But with the festival, we try to support these kind of, of experimental formats and concepts. And so they can get an audience, and in that sense, we are also trying to develop an audience. Mm. Um, so I guess that's that's the most in, interesting thing in terms of performers and comedians. But we do offer in the program we do offer very like very established and famous comedians to um, like very weird concept experimental things. Like we have arrived wide variety of shows so but that's what we as a festival office uh, try to encourage it is, is try new stuff and, and don't be afraid uh, so we produce everything ourselves uh, for the, all our shows and all the rooms that we do uh, um, so we provide with we provide with an audience and the rooms So we challenged the audience to come and see different things, but we also challenged the comedians to step out of their box and do other stuff. So our festival is not for all comedians. So if you want to come to the festival and experiment and do something different and be a part of something different, then that's great. But if you want the traditional scene or the traditional um, festival concept, then we are probably not the right. So I don't really... So we don't actively encourage comics to uh, to just uh, uh, contact us unless they are, are aware of the concept they have to be they have to understand the concept and want to be a part of it but and that's a great thing because all the comics who come to our festival they are a part of the festival and it's it's great to be backstage because there's almost nobody there because they're all Uh, seeing each other's show and going into the different rooms, and I think that's great. It's <laughs> really cool. And what would you say uh, is the most underused uh, facility that you offer at each of your festivals from a performance standpoint? I would say that our ability to... Uh, we've got great links with the local press, and we had the sponsorship deal with uh, the way called Juice, and now called Capital, which is a... a Obviously, they're a national uh, radio station, but they've, they've got specific uh, local versions. Um, and I think we made, at least I think we made it clear to the acts that we can use this in a positive way. We were getting a press story every day, and we were getting loads of radio coverage. Um, and I think we tried to push to the acts. If you come up with an interesting concept or an interesting idea they will run with this because they're desperate for any content that's a little bit different. Online content's really big, especially with a lot of press sort of sales going down and, and online content being a lot uh, much higher views. Any kind of viral video or some sort of video that's got the potential to go viral or any any content that will push their show, I think it's just a case of the act going that extra mile and just putting a bit more into it and pushing it a bit more and being a bit more creative. Um, some acts did that, some didn't, and that that might be to a variety of reasons. But that's something that we'll make sure. Perhaps, perhaps from our point of view, we didn't push as much. I mean, I, I do like to think we did, but perhaps we need to make that message a bit clearer next time. I think for us, it's probably a similar sort of thing, really, because 
Because we don't book centrally and because our promoters are um, and producers are uh, sort of in between us and most of the acts, um, quite often um, uh, acts won't contact us at all, um, which uh, I always find quite surprising. Um, so, for example, we can give advice about how to fly in Leicester um, without getting a fine. We can advise about how to advertise. We've got social media feeds. We've got all this sort of stuff, hotel deals, deals with train companies, that kind of thing, um, which I'm sure a lot of the acts don't know anything about because um, they don't get in touch with us. So it's, I, I appreciate it's time-consuming because you have to contact your promoter direct and then you also have to contact the festival office. But um, just con- get in touch with us and we'll support, we'll support all the shows as much as we possibly can but only when we've got the information. So, um, yeah, that, 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 that's probably the biggest message, is to speak to us as well as to your venue promoter, producer. If, if you're a performer who's a bit nervous about maybe asking about train deals or something like that, how would you, would you just encourage, like, what, what are you doing to encourage them to sort of, because obviously as performers we're a bit like, you know, we'll just do it all because... You know, we're sorting out our own show and stuff. So maybe we maybe we don't want to sort of beg for a discount on a train or something, which you might not even have because we, you know, we might be barking up the wrong tree. So how are you sort of encouraging them to, to come forward and talk? Um, well, we do contact everybody. We do send emails, you know, about media contacts and press opportunities and all those sorts of things. Um, I, I don't know if there's any. If there's any. You've done a show, Simon, in the festival. So if there's any feedback about how we can make that better. <coughs> Um, I mean, the, you know, the, the slight problem is we, most of our contact with, our, with the performers is via email because there's 550 of them or something this year. Um, and uh, some of them don't read the emails um, uh, and don't get into contact with us. Um, I mean, I think we're reasonably approachable. I don't know. You, you tell us. <coughs> um, and just, I mean, I don't know. Are there such things as shy comedians? I think a lot of a lot of comedians. Are, let's let's be honest. Yeah, a lot of comedians are very disorganised and uh, incredibly. <laughs> that's hard what to I was trying with. not to say. Yeah, no, but in a, not you know. That's just understanding. That, and you know, with me comedians hat on, probably I'm more organised than a lot of me peers, just because uh, me background doing different jobs or whatever. But I think uh, a lot of emails just don't get read or information just gets absorbed and then dismissed or if an act's got an agent who's dealing they, they feel that none of that should be their concern and that the agent should babysit them to a degree these aren't these aren't uh, I was going to say these aren't faults but they're massive faults aren't they <laughs> they're huge massive faults but it's not really a criticism as such it's just kind of that's the reality really of, yeah. of and I think there's only so much you can do but yeah uh, to, to let them know about these discounts and things like that. And on the yeah, it, it, what we just talked about is very similar to to um, the Danish comedians and and what we challenge is that it, comedians are not well organised and I barely think they sometimes read emails if they're too long. Um, but but that's also the charm about it and and that's how, what you got to work with. But I think in that sense. Um, we, I think, in our festival, um, actually most 
comedians are very good at the whole issue that you talk about in terms of branding and promoting shows. I think what we are one asking for comedians is is uh, approaching and contacting us early in the states before the deadline and everything, kind of using us as a consultant. Uh, consultants on developing their shows because we what we do is we do we do not book the program but we go around to different venues and they a lot of venues are not um, specialized in comedy so they ask us for guidance and say also oh, what's on what could be interesting in terms of our profile and our audiences and there we need that information from the comedians on an early stage so if what we're trying to 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 do now is that every Each year, our festival is um, is placed in the end of August, in the beginning of uh, September. At the end of the festival, we try to create a dialogue with the comedians, already asking at that point, could you be interested in taking part of the festival next year? So we kind of know, and they kind of start having the idea. Okay, so what can I do for the festival next year? So we know when we go around um, just after New Year's each year with the venues that we actually have kind of a catalog in our heads about what's what's the opportunities. Okay, so this comedian is, is doing kind of this show, could that be interesting? And we kind of develop from there. Um, and I think we're trying to to get the comedians, um, all the CI comedians, to call us up and write an email. <coughs> I have this idea. It's not done yet. It's not it's not a specific show that I'm trying to sell you guys. It's just an idea, and we kind of want to support that because we do not buy shows or book shows, um, only a f- small amount. Um, but we can take that idea or even that show to venues and, and they rely on us um, for this guidance in a way. So, yeah. um, like I said before, we produce the whole festival ourselves because it's a concept festival. Mm. We, are, uh, we, ha- we are relying on having a direct dialogue with all our acts because we experience if we go through an agency they might not get to uh, explain the comic, what the concept is. And uh, we had acts coming to our comedy festival and sort of like, oh, I'm not doing a solo show? So it's, uh, it's so we are very, we learned that we have to have a di- direct dialogue because it goes both ways. Uh, is we, if we do our job as a promoter and a festival organizer, we make sure that everything is there that's an audience, but they also have to give us the right information. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and I know that my reputation in the Norwegian scene is that I'm, I'm the chick with all the emails because uh, I write everything over email. But it's, um, I'm d- how can I promote your show if you are not uh, able to give me the information that I need to give to the audience or to the public? So, like I said, it goes both ways. And we try our best to always have a constant dialogue between the uh, because the act has has no act if they don't have a stage, and we don't have a stage if we don't have an act to be on stage. But we don't have anything if there's no audience. Mm. So it, this is a this is sort of we, we try to keep it as a this is a team uh, sort of like a team uh, work. Yeah, teamwork mm. basically. Okay, um, I've got three questions left to ask. But does anyone? On the floor, have anything they want to ask us? <coughs> okay, well, very quiet. Um, okay, uh, in, in terms of uh, in, in the UK scene, especially, a lot of comedians treat Edinburgh like sort of the year mark, if that makes sense, for, especially for solo shows. Where would you say your festival slots into, like, sort of the year for either performers or, in your own mind, with other festivals? 
Uh, well, Liverpool runs the end of September, start of October, so it's kind of a tricky time. We used to run, before I started on it, we used to run in May and also July for a time, which was nice for the pre-Edinburgh um, previews. So that that's, that's a nice way of... Well, it enables you to get acts that perhaps would be above the venue that you're putting them in because they are trying out a show, essentially, so you can... It, it can be beneficial to both parties. So now we're, we're in end of September, start of October. So in terms of the comedy calendar, the UK comedy calendar, it's kind of an awkward time, a little bit, because we get a lot of acts who've done Edinburgh and then want to do their show again. Um, and they book into our festival when they're very excited about their Edinburgh run. And then they do their Edinburgh run and their <laughs> dreams are shattered. And then they have to dust out the box and get all the notes together and do the show again in, in our festival um, that's me that's me putting a very comic exaggeration on it obviously but um, we do have obviously people who've done a show in Edinburgh and they're delighted to bring it out and, and do it again it fits in with a lot of the touring schedule there's quite an, um, a lot of touring acts on, the, on a bigger level at that time from our audience point of view it fits in perfectly with the start of the university term Liverpool's got three universities and a huge student population and that's something that we've we're tapping into with partnerships with, with universities so in terms of audience it works for us better than the summer did but in terms of acts it just means we have to be a little bit less Edinburgh focused or less pre-Edinburgh focused unless people are really really starting the next year at Edinburgh preparations very early but you know we know we've just talked about comedians and I think uh, a show that early in its uh, creation would be a sight to see (laughs) (laughs) I'll leave it at that Uh, so, um, so in off, uh, when we started the festival, um, we were pretty much like you in Liverpool, really, in the sense that we would book, uh, we would go to Edinburgh in August and book the shows for the following February. Um, out, Leicester's always been in February, um, and um, but now what happens is an awful lot of acts come and try stuff out, either work in progress shows or just um, not even that really, just ideas. That then, because I think Edinburgh deadline is April, isn't it? April, May time, end of April, something like that. Um, I'm a nice comedian. <laughs> um, so people can come and try stuff out here um, to then take to Edinburgh. So um, that works really well for us. That's great because um, audiences come to see um, shows before they're fully formed, but also the industry come too in order to pick up stuff that they may. Uh, or may not want to take to Edinburgh and then tour after that so that's um, that happens a lot now so um, yeah that's that happens for us the biggest problem is Christmas because um, we launch um, in November and there's a bit of excitement around that and then in December it goes pretty quiet because everybody's focused on Christmas um, and then in January people start to pay attention again but um Yes, I hope that answers your question. Um, yeah, so we are um, placed in the end of August and beginning of um, September. It's uh, 11 days. Um, and because it's mainly Danish-speaking um, comedy, we are not that influenced by the Edinburgh Fringe. Um, but it, 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 you can, um, it has consequences for our international English-speaking comedy because a lot of people will be at Fringe and, and, um, and will just... 
arrive from the Edinburgh Fringe and then to the Sulu be and be very tired. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but that's just a smaller part of it. In terms of the overall um, year, I the it could we would like to have more kind of test shows and maybe um, premieres or pre-premieres um, of, of of larger touring shows. But it they start by the by the end of September mostly or in the beginning of October. Um, so in that sense, it's difficult because we're too early. Um, but um, it's it's great in terms of season and weather. But if it's too a great summer, it's difficult to sell tickets because mm-hmm. no one wants to sit inside and see um, stand up. But but overall, I think it's. Um, we talked about moving it um, for winter time, like um, here in Leicester. Um, but in terms of our sponsorship with the broadcasting channel Sulu, um, it, it 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 kind of there's a lot of stuff that needs to be sorted before that can happen. But I think we're we're happy about the the, the place in year. Um, also, it all the TV shows and all that has not yet started. So we also you I think you do not have any TV campaign or anything with Dave. That's it's different in Denmark that's we do actually have a TV campaign for the festival also and we are also on TV so we are also aired on TV with with various um, uh, stand-up shows um, so in that sense it's it's fine because there it has to match the the broadcasting the channel's season in that sense and there's room for the festival so we get into more channels and or in that sense um, yeah uh, for us, it's more about not crashing with other comedy festivals that we feel it's valuable for us to uh, either scout or go and meet our fellow colleagues or be a part of a festival. So we're at the end of May, uh, right before summer holidays in Norway. Um, so it's also easy. I find it easier to get uh, comics, both Norwegian and international because it's right before summer, before they take holiday. So it's like a fun thing to do before, like the downtime of shows. Cool. And if there's one thing that you're working on in the short to medium term for your festival's development that you think would be appealing to future performers, what would that be? That's a good question. I think um, that development of more curated ideas, and I think... Once we get a couple of those off the ground this year, which we're quite excited about, but still very much the ideas are in the infancy, I think once we can get a few more of those under our belt, it will enable us to open channels with comedians and and have a, a, a two-way conversation really about their ideas, and hopefully people will start approaching us about an idea they've got that's a bit more off the wall and a bit more you know unusual that we can support them. Um, either financially or, or with space or, or whatever they need um, I think that's something that we would like to be able to offer soon uh, I don't know whether I'm stealing you t- the thunder of you two but um, for us it's probably the, this um, so this European Comedy Festivals Network has got an application in at the moment with the European Union for some money to do um, a project across Europe um, with comedians We'll find out in, I think it's about four weeks' time, we should know. So um, if we if we get that, um, uh, um, that's probably one of the things that's um, 
that's really exciting. Um, but I won't talk more about it because if we don't get it, it won't happen. <laughs> um, but uh, that that'll have it'll be a two-year program and and it'll involve our festivals, uh, Lund Comedy Festival in Sweden, um, maybe Liverpool, um, but and, and and some others. So that's that's really exciting in terms of the actual Dave Lester Comedy Festival. Um, I don't know. We we we've never really had much of a plan for it. Um, it's kind of an accident that it's lasted so long, really. So. Um, it's uh, I, I don't know I don't know what our plans are for next year but then also I'm mid festival so I'm a bit brain dead at the minute. Um, sorry, could you just rephrase the question? Uh, the question was if there's one thing that you're like working on for the development of your festival in the short to medium term that would appeal to performers, what would you <coughs> that would appeal to, to performers? performers? Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, partly the same as as Jeff with the with the. Um, project that we're working on. Um, also, we are are looking into the opportunities to. So, our festival is um, is both a, actually a grand TV gala show. Um, so it's it's in some way similar to your. You have like a gala show, correct? What is it called? The preview show. The preview show. So we do, it's not a preview show, it's more just um, a big gala award show, but it only has two awards for comedy and it's also broadcasted on TV. Um, and we are looking into the opportunities to kind of expand um, the award. So we all, because that's that's just like the, the greatest comedian and then um, an upcoming, the, the new talent, that's the two awards. So, but we are looking into opportunities so we can get more awards um, also inspired from the Dave Lester Comedy Festival with also festival awards. So maybe a festival show or maybe more technical stuff in terms of stand-up and that business. Um, we're just looking into opportunities in a way that in that sense we could maybe both do something for the industry as performers and comedians and maybe that can help maybe kind of that they can use that in kind of the bios or the program text that you use because we do not have a lot of reviews or like a culture of, of, of um, you have the chortle and, and we do we do not have any equivalent to that in Denmark so maybe that kind of award or, or whatever it, it, it could uh, bring um, or it will be in the future that could bring something to the performer that they can use as, 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 a, as a promoting tool and also it can maybe open up um, the stand-up industry for, for the Danish um, people in the sense of understanding what it is because it's fairly new so that they get an understanding of it's not just a, a man just standing on a, day, uh, on a stage just saying jokes, there's a lot of work before it and it's, it is like you're a hard-working performance and it is an art form because we have the same as, in, as she mentioned that we have Difficulties getting like the public to um, understand it as an art form and an, an actual work um, that it's not as easy as it looks when you're just standing on stage. There's a lot of work behind it. Yeah. Um. To answer well on that, um, it's um, I'm very I'm very uh, interested in the subject of uh, developing comedy as an art form, not only for the public view or the industry point of view, but also for the Arts Council, because normally when you apply for fundings, they have certain, certain um, 
uh, genre that you apply to if it's theater or dance, but they don't have anything equivalent to comedy. There's not an own, their own it's not an own um, genre. So in terms of for our sake, uh, in Norway, I'm trying to sort of find a way how to include and work with the uh, and open up a dialogue uh, with the arts council because they at the, by the end of the day uh, they are sort of like the they they are the ones people look at when they talk about art form because I do think uh, I strongly believe that we should recognize comedians stand-up comedians uh, sketch comedy any types of comedian as performing uh, artists and that's something we try to do uh, through our festival like we our festival is sort of like a channel for that and we try to also take it, uh, try to develop that but on a political uh, I don't have the right word for it um, platform yeah Mm -hmm. and that's really important for us because it's by the end of the day it's kind of our job and not only the performers but it's we are the one who as a booker or a producer or a festival, it's our job to uh, to uh, it's our it's our job to um, make sure that the uh, the performing artists, the comedians, are taken care of both on stage but also off stage. Uh, so I think it's our turn to or, or it's our job to sort of challenge the art form, and that's I feel that development, that kind of development that we're trying to head towards. It's it kind of develops everything that we do. It, uh, it touches everything else that we do. Um, last chance. Anyone want to come back to us? No? Okay. Well, thank you very much for coming down. Uh, thank you so much for listening. I loved hearing more about what goes on behind the scenes at the Leicester Comedy Festival and learning more about how the shows can go on to other exciting and fun things uh, from the festival and how that works. I think it's very easy for us to just go to festivals with a show and that's it. Whereas if you have a plan in place or you have certain things that you want out of it that maybe can take your show further and, and see it go further and see it go to other exciting places, then it's great to know that there are facilities in place at certain festivals and there are people who work at the festival who want acts to be aspirational and to take their show on tours or to new places or go further in their careers. So if you're excited about this and you've had a great time, feel free to get in touch with any of the festival founders, Get give them a tweet, say you heard about them through the podcast, uh, ask them any questions you want to ask. They're, they're absolutely lovely, totally approachable, and I've found them nothing but supportive. So I would highly recommend working with all of them. That also includes the Liverpool Comedy Festival, who are, as, as far as I'm aware, not part of that network at the moment, but they also are absolutely lovely and 100% responsive and really want their festival to go far as well. So... If you've enjoyed this episode, please do share it with someone who might be looking at taking part in the Leicester Comedy Festival next year. I think it's just a great bit of background information and just a bit of additional help for people who want to do more with that festival and, and not just do their show and go home. If you'd like more information about when our next live pods are going to be, please join the Facebook group. It's called Ask the Industry Podcast, and it's on Facebook, obviously. That's the place where I advertise it, first of all, um, then out to the mailing list, which you can join on my website, and then everyone else on this will find out about it through me plugging it in episodes. If you'd like to take part in shaping those and suggesting people from panels, 
and for future guests and ask questions to future guests i highly recommend you join the ask industry podcast group because that's the place where i get most of those questions and crowdsource from you you guys who you'd like to hear from please do join that community if you're enjoying this podcast please do think about giving me a donation it really helps the podcast continue and you can do that as a one-off thing on paypal from my website on simoncain.co.uk or you can become a patreon from one dollar an episode it that's ATP. It's hardly anything. If you think this episode is worth ATP and you're enjoying these, this podcast and you want to see it flourish, please do consider becoming a Patreon. It really helps. There's a link in the show notes. There's a link on my website. It's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Ask the Industry Podcast. Honestly, all support is ridiculously helpful though. So if you can't afford it, please don't donate if you can't afford it. But just share the pod with someone and just pass around the message of the project. So that'd be great. In the meantime, thank you very much for sharing. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for donating and just generally being a bloody awesome audience. I will see you all in about 10 days time. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 